0: Beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to A hispanard Man, I need to get good at saying that. I keep stumbling over my words when I try to actually announce what the who I am and <laughs> what the show's about. Um, this week, I wanted to get into, well, there's a few things to get into, some good and some, eh, you know, not impressed at this point. And I'll start with the not impressed, not that I'm trying to Man, well, let's call it what it is. It's definitely going to be shade. It's not that I want to throw shade at this thing. I'm a huge... Like, I'm the audience for this. And I got to tell you, I did not like what I saw. It left me with a bad feeling. I talked to Kenji about it. He said he needed to look at it more to kind of get a better understanding of what how he might feel about it. And then I went ahead and floated this over to my wife who has been through and to all of the geeky things that I love and that the kids, our kids have grown to love, but she's not necessarily what you would describe as a geek. It, it, she doesn't seek it out. She she definitely enjoys it. She likes learning the ins and outs and intricacies of things as you're moving along with the story. She has been on the ride for Marvel for the last, you know, 11 years and all those various pictures. They're thoroughly enjoyable. But she's not the kind of person that takes that information, processes the information, and then it's, it lives and stays with her you know forever she can just as easily forget what what it was that she saw you know after a year while someone like me actually retains the information regurgitates the information enjoys talking about the information you know it's it's the very thing that that makes me a quote unquote geek or a, or a nerd for this kind of stuff for for uh, this genre that I love so she's a good person to bounce things off of to see what her reaction is if if she sees the thing and finds it enjoyable you know then that means that she's a good gauge for the general population so what am i talking about i'm talking about the super bowl commercial for the lord of the rings the ring of power which was super underwhelming and was not at all what i was looking for now Is there a bad taste in my mouth from the Wheel of Time series put out by Amazon? 100% absolutely. I can say that definitively I am not happy about that and that in turn makes me nervous about anything else that Amazon is going to touch that has a history already. And to back that up, uh, or, or, or to back up on that uh, sentiment and idea, I will say that it's not like I don't enjoy the things that they put out. I think Amazon puts out great content, two examples being The Expanse. The Expanse, I, I know that sounds like expanse, but I'm not trying to say that. The Expanse, which was a fantastic show, ran for six seasons. It actually just ended. I was super bummed about its ending because I feel like they have so much more story that they could go, but as I'm understanding, maybe it was a budgetary thing. It seems like an, it's an expensive show. The, the art for it, the CG, you know, special effects, the all the various people that they bring in and out, I can see how that would get expensive. And from what I've learned about shows is your cast doesn't get cheaper. Your cast actually gets more expensive because they get paid more with every year that the show is in syndication or, or, or rather that the show goes on and then eventually we'll go into syndication. In this case with streaming, I know that it's a little bit different. The deals are different. Um, But anyway, great show. Another show that was surprisingly really good from Amazon. Definitely adult. A little naughty. Not Game of Thrones by any stretch of the imagination. Nothing like that. Just, you know, something you wouldn't watch with your kids. uh, Is the show Carnival Row. Which had this super impressive structure that was built for it. I think coming up now on maybe four years ago at San Diego Comic-Con, they turned this section in in the park that faces the convention center, they turned it into an alley, a, a huge, tall, you know, tall buildings on each side alleyway with a bunch of different fairies and mythical creatures that exist along with humans in on the show. I knew nothing about it at the time, so it's not something that, pulled towards me. I didn't see it until much later when we actually ended up getting an Amazon prime subscription. And then I, I gave it a shot and I was really surprised. Uh, but it turned out to be a, a very original seeming show. The more I think about it, the more I think that it's probably a show that is taken from books because it is, it is so well written and, you know, well acted and well plotted that it had that has to be the foundation for it i'm I'm imagining same thing with the expanse uh, the expanse i'll never be able to say that right another another show that the foundation of it is a series of books so amazon has definitely struck gold with some of the things that they've put out they did not strike gold with the wheel of time this is um it's a book series and I'm actually the the show reinvigorated my dislike for the show reinvigorated my desire to go back to the characters again. So currently I am in book six and I just started reading them. I don't know. I think maybe two months ago, I think it's been now it it might be. So I'm definitely burning through them really fast. I, I read them during my breaks. I read them when I'm putting baby to bed you know i i i love love this series i love what is currently happening in book 6 um the main character rand well not not just rand but really all of the characters have had tremendous amount of growth in, in you know from book 1 to book 6 so many things have happened uh, rand althor the main character has leaned into his abilities he He's able to channel, uh, that's what they call it, channeling, uh, able to touch. There's a source called the, the true source or the true power. Both men and women are able to tap into it, but they tap into it from different sides of it. So there's a female side of it and a male side of it. And as the book explains the female side of it, women who are able to touch, uh, said, I believe it's Sadir and there's sedir and sadin. So maybe the women, I think, are able to touch sadin. I think is the way that it's said, I'm sure I'm butchering it, but they have to surrender to it in order to manipulate the the abilities. And they once they it becomes like second nature, then they're able to just slip right into uh, wielding that power. So they're able to submit and get into the mode right away. And then they're able to manipulate the ability, you know, their abilities and create, they, they make these things called weaves where they make complicated flows of, of different, um, parts of the power. So the power is based on, you know, fire, earth, water, wind, things like that's a spirit. So they're able, you know, they're, they're basically, uh, weaving the, the classic, I think 1970s musical band Earth, Wind and Fire. No, not really. But, you know, they're able to tap into that and they're able to create these these complex things anywhere from weapons to, you know, just holding people to creating shields. It's pretty awesome. So anyway, all the characters are, are moving along at a great pace. I was just talking to uh, some friends of mine uh, through text that this show could have had its cake and eaten it too. They could have gotten to all the things that they wanted to, to push because a lot of those things are in the store are in the original story already. So you could have gotten a little bit of naughtiness. You could have gotten a little bit of flesh. You could have gotten a little bit of, you know, uh, two women married to one man, vice versa. You know, you could have, you could have explored the contemporary things that we're dealing with now in society and they could have they, they wouldn't even had to have been shoehorned in because the the writer was a modern day writer he's passed away but he you know i think he lived all the way up until the 2000s so he was aware of the culture and he was writing from a perspective of the culture that he understood and knew he brought in a variety of of races you know gave them new names but they were just the the names and the descriptions were just substitute for you know Middle Eastern, Japanese, Hispanic, you know, white. Like it, it's it's awesome. Like they could have done it all. They could have gotten exactly what they wanted, and at the same time, told a really great story that focused on story and not, as I see it, on agenda, on pushing something that is unnecessary, you know, the, we're all at least everybody that would have been watching the show, you know, everybody's an adult. They would have naturally gravitated towards certain characters and naturally identified with, with certain characters, certain people, certain situations, but the show didn't allow the story to unravel the way the story unravels in the book even if it was truncated where you're taking a big chunk of the story and you're compressing it to meet, you know, an hour long episode and you've got at the most, let's say you put out eight episodes, that's still so much time to tell good story. If, if they had pursued it, they could have, you know, all of the books are, they're huge. So, It is there is a lot of information in the books, and as I'm rereading the series, I one thing that I've really noticed this time around that I didn't notice the first time that I read the books is um, the author really loves describing the world, really loves describing, you know, the the environment, the surroundings, the things that they're that. the the people are interacting with. So a lot of that, uh, fills up a, a big portion of the book, which is a lot of it can be cut out by being shown visually since, you know, TV and, and, and TV series and movies and things like that. They're, they're visual mediums. So you could take a lot of that out, showcase that, Visually let people come to whatever, uh, what am I trying to say here? You know, let people notice things and not notice things on their own, but the heart of the story, you know, you could do an entire book, every you know, one book per, per season, you would have 14 seasons and I think they would have made a ton of cash it would, I think. It would, I think word of mouth would have brought in more viewerships, more, str- you know, streaming people to the streaming service. I, I don't think it's going to survive past season two. I know that Amazon has already put the money in for season two. I just don't see this uh, going past season two. I think word of mouth alone is going to be the thing that buries it. And so this brings me to the Lord of the Rings, the Ring of of Power, the trailer that was put out was highly underwhelming. It looked like a video game trailer. Yahoo Sports, I think, put it best when they said, for a billion dollar show, why does the new Lord of the Rings trailer look so cheap? And I'm not sure that I would say cheap. I mean, it definitely, it looked, expensive enough, I suppose, with the, the, the various locations and the things that they were showing you. But I think my wife put it best that they were showing you grandness without showing you anything. So they were showing you things without showing you anything. And there is, I understand there's definitely a fine line to be, uh, to be had, where you want to get people excited, you want to get people hyped for something, but you don't want to spill the beans on on where you're going. I don't see this being the case. I think, I think this would have been better served if they had focused the trailer maybe even on a single individual, and they would have given you two minutes of where the story is going for this single person, rather than jumping you through various locations. There, there's a point where I'm pretty sure I'm looking at an elf, but it doesn't look like an elf. And what I mean is there's this moment in the trailer where arrows are being shot, and there's a guy with a bow, and an arrow is coming and It's about to land and hit someone in the back. So the arrow is about to pierce someone's back. The guy snatches it out of the air and, and the guy looks like, um, I don't know, maybe Korean or something like that. Snatches it out of the air, turns around, restrings it into his bow and then shoots it back. Now that looks awesome, but I'm not really sure what I'm looking at. I, obviously he's like a, a superhuman in that moment where he's able to do that. But I don't know if I'm looking at a superhuman, if I'm looking at an elf, if I'm looking at some race from Middle-earth that I've never heard of before. I just, I can't tell. But I don't know if it, if it's being hidden from me or what. It just, it, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Um, and then there's a lot of f- flash quick moments that the trailer takes you through. But again, nitpicking on my part, Sure. I was super annoyed with the little voiceover by the, I don't know, the kid. I, I'm, I think it's a kid that is doing the voiceover. There's nothing grand about it. There's nothing in it that makes me go, oh, man, I cannot wait. Instead, I'm just annoyed. It's just annoying to see this, um, to hear this, this kid tell you, hey, the world is huge. And you don't even know how huge it is and how wondrous it is. And it's so wondrous that it's wondrous, but they don't, I I don't see any wonder. I, I see somebody, I don't know, ice climbing. And then I see maybe the same person again, fighting some kind of creature that I don't know what the thing is. Something's wrong with its mouth. And then there's like snippets of, I am I'm, I'm sure at some point in the video I thought I saw some naked dude in fire I you know I don't know uh, Am I going to watch the first 3 episodes probably if if the first episode if I can get past the first episode I'll I'll watch it up to 3 at least and then after that if it's going to an underwhelming direction I'm out I there's no there's no point in investing and maybe even three might be too much. I I don't know yet. It's it's hard to say, but so far, and this this show doesn't even come out until September. So when I was talking about it with Kenny, he's like, maybe they have time to like fix some things. But you'd have to fix story because visually, I mean, the special effects look fine. You know, I if if I saw a few different elves, uh, I you know, uh, speaking as someone that's got a gut. I don't want to see a fat elf. And I don't need to be represented. Just period. I, I'll say that right now. I don't need to be represented. So I don't want to see any Mexican elves. I don't want to see any Mexican dwarves. I don't want to see any, anything that is trying to represent me. I, what I want is high fantasy. I want extraordinary and out of the ordinary and, and beyond my imagining. That's what I want. I want to get lost in the fantasy and the grandeur of that fantasy. I don't want to think about, is that a Mexican dwarf? It, it, is, is that, you know, no thanks, man. No thanks. I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for a Mexican elf. I'm not looking for any representation at all. And I don't care if I'm alone in that. Anybody who listens to this like, well, I'm looking for representation. Great. Fantastic. But I'm not. I'm looking for story and I'm looking for not to be represented. I don't want to see myself in any of these people. I don't want to see myself in the bad guys. I don't want to see myself in the, in the good guys. I want to be just in awe. One of my... Favorite things about the MCU, which I know is slowly change or maybe rapidly changing. I don't really know is I know that Disney owns the MCU and Disney is going to push for quote unquote representation. So I know you're going to see more diversity, you know, of people on the screen, which is fine. The MCU lives in this current world with all of its different people and there's different superheroes you you have miles morales waiting in the wings i think american chavez is the the superhero that that joins dr strange in this new um movie dr strange and and multiverse of madness which by the way we're going to get to that in a second so i understand that there's definitely areas where they can do quote-unquote representation they can show you know different cultures different races that's great that's fine i don't need it in everything i guess that's my point you know i texas chainsaw massacre i don't need a black um you know what's the name running around with the with the saw i don't I don't need him to be black and I don't need him to be terrorizing a black family at all. So I like what Jordan Peele is doing. I like that Jordan Peele is taking, uh, black families and black individuals and putting them in horror settings. And it just, there's, it's awesome. I mean, he, he's been doing fantastic work, knocking it out of the park and all that stuff has been original. I love it. I love it. Keep bringing... Keep giving me original work from black voices, Mexican voices, Asian voices. Fantastic. Let's do it. What I don't need, what I don't want is reimaginings of you know, I don't need a Mexican supergirl, which is what we're getting in the flash. Like, or Hispanic. I don't know, I don't know if she's Mexican or Colombian or what she is. Don't need it. Just don't. I'm I'm okay with. With Supergirl staying who she is, I'm okay with her being a white Kryptonian who's blonde, and and that's fine, awesome, that's great. Let's build another one. Let's build a a, a a different story with a different person from a different ethnicity that has nothing to do with Krypton or anything else. Give me something original. I love original. I will follow you on original because original is awesome. I. As some of you may hate or dislike or just not be able to stomach Quentin Tarantino movies. I get it. Totally understand. It's rough to watch his movies, but I got to tell you, that dude is original. And when he throws things, and when I mean original, I mean, he's got this huge love of cinema and that's where he's drawing all of his inspiration and, and his storytelling from, but, but the way he's able to package all that stuff. and bring you the story that it brings you it is rough to watch sometimes it is gut-wrenching it is sickly hilarious but it is sickly hilarious and uh, you know i he's he's one of the first people that comes to mind jordan peele is another one who is looking at old ideas and then he's putting a cool spin on it with original characters i love that i think that's fantastic so give me more of that less reimagining of things that i already know and understand and grew up with and you know i i understand retcons i know that that's that's also the world that i come from where at any given time marvel or dc comics will retcon will um you know re- they'll they'll destroy the, their universes and then rebuild them again and give you a different twist to to that old universe I get that too. That that's fine. Um, but Lord of the Rings, I don't know. You just, just give me high fantasy and give me. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna come from the source material, then stay with the source material. I don't, like I said, I don't need you to sprinkle that fantasy world with things that look like us already, because sometimes we're just trying to escape our reality. We want to, we, one of the things about Terminator and all the Terminator movies, I am, I love those movies, love watching them, have no desire to live in them, have no desire for Skynet to rise up and, you know, robots to hunt us down. And it seems like that might be the place that we're going to in this world. In reality, I hope not, but I'm not looking for that. No, thanks. I'm cool. Let's, let's stick with, you know, it being fantasy and let's enjoy the heck out of that and leave it there. So with all that being said, let's move on to, man, two things that I just knocked it out of the park that I completely loved. The first one being Moon Knight. That trailer is just another fantastic teaser. There's something going on in Moon Knight that I, I could be wrong about. But it, for as much story as the show might be about, and as much weirdness that, that the show is is bringing up, there's also a lot of style to it. And, and what I mean by that is the shots that they've shown us so far, so the second trailer that they've shown us, when Moon Knight is jumping off of a building and I think he's jumping off a building and his cape goes into the shape of a half moon. I mean, come on. It <laughs> just looks awesome. Or the way that the suit forms around him. It really is reminiscent to me of a symbiote like Venom or the suit from Spawn. You know, it, it has that, it's creepy. It's, there's a creepy feel to it. It, creepy way that it looks like it envelops you know the the main character mark Spector, it looks awesome and and his uh his weapon that 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 half moon blade just ah i i cannot wait <laughs> oscar isaac is a fantastic actor he's a he's a fantastic dramatic actor who is a chameleon and can jump from role to role and bring different heaviness to it. The only misstep that I've seen so far from him really, and, and I, and it wasn't his fault, I think. So I, I'm definitely giving him a pass, but the only misstep that I've seen from him is X-Men age of apocalypse, where he played apocalypse. I wish that he had looked at the whole thing and said, you know what? I'm going to pass because I'm only five foot two. I don't really know how tall he is. He seems like a short guy, but uh, I'm not the right guy to bring this hugeness and and this this intimidation to the role, I honestly always thought that they really really missed an opportunity not loading, not backing up the money truck to Vin Diesel. I Vin Diesel's voice. And and I and from what I understand, Vin Diesel's not a tall guy either, necessarily. I think he's maybe 5'10", or something like that. But the guy knows how to play big, you know? And he's he's been in enough shape, and he knows how to get in enough shape where he can also accentuate that bigness a little more. And you put that guy in some platforms, maybe you raise him up to, like, I don't know, 6'3", and between that and that voice, uh, you know, that, I don't, I, that's more like my Stallone, but my name's Vin Diesel, you know, like, I just, I'm, I'm apocalypse. That would have been awesome. I, I think that, I, I think they would have a lot of, a lot would have been forgiven of that movie. If you had the right person playing the villain, you know, it, but I, I don't think Oscar Isaac was the, the guy for that. And again, I don't think it was his fault. And that movie had, bits and pieces and moments of things that were really like, oh, I, I, I could see this. I could look forward to this, but I think it all fell apart at the end of the day because you just did not have the right person playing the villain. And the, I mean, the story definitely was not there. So anyway, that's, you know, that's, that's my opinion on that. If you ever want to hear that. Um, but Oscar Isaac, I think is a fantastic actor. I think he, I think the Moon Knight role—he's gonna crush it in that, and I can't wait to see that. in the second little trailer, or the second little teaser, was just continues to whet the appetite. Looks fantastic. Now, let's get to Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Oh my goodness! I don't think I need another trailer. I was thinking about it, uh, thinking about it today. I was talking to Kenji about it at work, and I thought, you know, it's so early. They they had just given us a little teaser at the end of Spider Man: No Way Home, and you know that turned out to be that that, that little uh, the little sizzle that they do at the end for the Marvel movies. They usually do two, the one for uh, No Way Home, which ended up being basically a trailer for Doctor Strange. Fantastic! That was great. I was like, "Wow, that's, I cannot wait. And then they go ahead and they drop this Super Bowl one, which was just mind-blowingly amazing. And they gave us things that I'm—I don't even—I don't even know how to process them. I—I I don't want to hope. I don't want to believe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody along with me is a thousand percent sure that we heard Patrick Stewart the great Professor X himself in the trailer telling what looks like possibly the Illuminati, which is this secret group in the Marvel Universe made up of various people at different times. Captain America has been part of the Illuminati as well as Doctor Strange, Black Panther, Namor, Professor X, Mr. Fantastic. So you've had different different people come in and out at one point they wiped Steve Rogers mind because they were going too far and they, they wiped his mind and, and got him out of the Illuminati and then he didn't find out till later. And he was pissed. The Illuminati and Marvel comics are also responsible for sending the Hulk off planet. And they, and they're the ones that create this event called planet Hulk. So they deem the Hulk too dangerous. They throw the dude in. And I, I, I don't remember I don't think they throw him in as as a Hulk they manage to capture him as a human throw him into a shuttle and then they shoot him off in a wormhole he goes through a wormhole ends up in another section of the of the galaxy and he lands on this planet called Sakar I believe has Hulk adventures when he lands there he's only the Hulk he can't even turn back into Banner he's got limited intelligence ends up getting it on with one of the natives produces a son named Scar That whole story is is awesome. Eventually ends up fighting uh, the main bad guy there, escapes the planet. I believe the planet gets destroyed, but his son survives. Hulk makes his way back to Earth. And after that, he's got a score to settle with every single member of the Illuminati. And you see him just take everybody apart one by one. It's a pretty great story. I definitely recommend it. Planet Hulk. It is awesome. The art is awesome. In fact, let me see if I can bring this up. Now that I've got a little split screen going on here, I can bring up the team that created that because it is worth giving them a shout-out. So here we go. And you know what? More than giving them a shout-out, I'll I'll read the little synopsis here. Planet Hulk is Marvel Comics storyline that ran primarily through issue. uh, Issues of The Incredible Hulk starring, uh, starting in 2006, written by Greg Pack. It dealt with Marvel Heroes, decision, deci- Marvel Heroes' decision, my Mexican's coming out there, to send the Hulk away, his acclamation to and conquest of the planet where he landed, and his efforts to return to Earth to take his revenge. There's also a special Planet Hulk Gladiator guidebook, blah, 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 whatever. Let me see if I could find the artist. Uh, let's see. So the writer was Greg Pak. the penciler was Carlo Pagu Pugl- P- Pagulian. I'm so sorry. And Aaron Leprosti. I'm so terrible at names. The inker was Jeffrey Hewitt. The letter was Randy Gentel and Joe Caramanga, I believe. Colorist was Chris Sotoyom Sotoyomo. So Sotomayor, Sotomayor, Chris Sotomayor, my apologies. So great, uh, great book, highly recommend it. Let's see here, the plot. When a gamma bomb causes the Hulk to lose control and attack Las Vegas, the Illuminati decide the Hulk is too dangerous to remain on Earth. With the help of the Hulk's friend and psychiatrist, Doc Sampson, He's got green hair. He's pretty awesome. They trick him into entering orbit to destroy a rogue satellite and then use a shuttle to jettison him from the solar system. They intended for him to land on a peaceful planet, but the shuttle passes through a wormhole on its uh, on its way. As Hulk listens to a recording from the Illuminati explaining their actions, his shuttle crashes on the planet Sakara. Weakened from the crash, Hulk is fixed with an obedience disc and taken into slavery. He's forced to fight gladiator battles for the planet planet's emperor, the Red King. Hulk forms a war uh warbound pact with his fellow gladi- gladiators Meek. <laughs> and if you if you remember Meek, the first time we meet Meek is in uh, Thor Ragnarok and uh, Korg introduces them. It's a bug that it's got he's got knives for hands. <laughs> um No-Name Brood, which the Brood are creepy. Uh, They're the Marvel version of Aliens from Alien. Eloi Kaffee, Lavinsky, Horem, and Korg. And, you know, Korg, everybody knows and loves Korg. He's awesome. Hey, man, we got a ship. You want to come? Hulk becomes a popular hero for his actions in the arena, and a group of insurgents try to recruit the Hulk to their cause. The Hulk declines. But Iloa chooses to go with the rebels during their next gladiator fight. Levine Ski is killed as the others come closer to winning their freedom. The Red Hulk, or uh, the Red King's lieutenant, sorry, uh, Kiara, arranges for them to fight the Silver Surfer, who is also controlled by an obedience disc. During the battle, the Hulk breaks the Silver Surfer's disc, freeing him. The Silver Surfer then destroys all the obedience discs of everyone in the arena. As he leaves Sakar, he offers to return Hulk to Earth. Hulk chooses to stay behind. The Hulk and his warbound, now on the run from the Red King, are hunted by uh, Kiara. As they travel through villages, Hulk finds followers who believe he is the foretold savior of Sakaarsan. Hulk denies his title. Kiara finally confronts the Hulk, but their battle is interrupted by an invasion of spikes that cause monstrous mutations and death to anyone they touch. Kiara calls the Red King for assistance and learns that he ordered the spikes to be deployed there. Horrified at what her king has done, Kiara joins the Hulk. Hulk leads a raid on the Red King's capital, culminating in a one-on-one battle between the two of them. The Red King is defeated and Hulk is named the New King. He takes Kiara for his wife and the two are able to broker peace among the various conflicts which have festered under the Red King. Kiara becomes pregnant with Hulk's child. Meanwhile, the shuttle that brought Hulk to Sakar is being turned into a monument. As part of its self-destructive sequence, the antimatter warp core engine detonates, and a massive explosion—oh, detonates in a massive explosion—the whole city is destroyed, and Kiara dies, enraged and blaming the Avengers who built the shuttle for, da- uh, for the damage. Hulk, and his warbound, leaves Sakar and head for Earth. Arriving on Earth, Hulk and the Warbound begin World War Hulk. Sakaar rebuilds after the explosion with the help of Hulk's two surviving sons, Saka- uh, Scar, and Hirokala. So there you go. That is a fun read. I definitely recommend it. I think it's great. A little bit about the Illuminati, which, which may be the... There's these dark figures that you see, I mean, everything in this trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is is literally just a split-second view, so you really got to pay attention, or you got to go online somewhere where a bunch of freaks, like, you know, freak brothers and sisters of mine who have taken (laughs) frame-by-frame stills and and blown them up, and they're showing you different things uh, that that are being shown, but they're being shown, like I said, in, in a second or less, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, let me see here. The Illuminati, where are they? Huh? I just saw a thing. Check this out. What did I miss? Oh, there we go. Here we are. Okay. So a little bit about the Illuminati and potentially possibly the, the, the people that we might be seeing who show up in the new Dr. Strange movie. And they're going to be alternate versions of the heroes that we know. As far as I've understood and read the Illuminati in the current Marvel MCU have not been formed yet. And in fact, they're miss they, they would be missing two of their main, maybe three of their main, um, uh, members. So, the illuminati that we're going to see in doctor strange the multiverse of madness are illuminati that has been formed in an alternate reality universe that are are a little bit further along as far as that history goes but the illuminati are a fictional secret society and group of superheroes appearing in american comics the characters joined forces and secretly work behind the scenes the illuminati was established to exist via story retcon in their first published appearance in New Avengers 7, written by Brian Michael Bendis, their history was discussed in special New Avengers Illuminati. The group was revealed revealed to have been formed very shortly after the Kree-Skrull War. Let's see here. They each represent a certain something that is very special of the Marvel Universe. Namor is the King of Atlantis and the Seven Oceans and represents the anti-hero mindset. Tony Tony Stark represents the Avenger type of hero. Uh, Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Doctor Strange, and Professor X. The group forms at some time in the aftermath aftermath of the Kree-Squirrel War. Probably after the Avengers... Ooh, I just thought of something. We're about to get Secret Invasion... Which deals with the scrolls in the MCU in a TV show. So, I wonder if the Illuminati that we're going to see in Doctor Strange, while they are not our Illuminati and they're not the MCU's Illuminati, I'm wondering if that is going to plant the seed in Doctor Strange's mind to go ahead and form the Illuminati, which will come out of the repercussions from the Secret Wars Disney Plus show that is going to feature Nick Fury. I could definitely see Nick Fury being rolled into this version of the Illuminati that we might end up getting in this MCU, but I'm not sure. Anyway, I'll keep reading. The group formed at some time after, in the aftermath of the Kree-Skrull War and probably after the Avengers Defenders War. Iron Man realized that each of the individual members had information about these alien races beforehand, and they could have collectively stopped it. He brings together the Illuminati with the Black Panther and proposes that they form a government of superhumans. Namor refuses on the grounds that too many superheroes are violent outsiders, such as Hawkeye and Quicksilver, both former criminals. Xavier refuses on the grounds that mutants are already feared and hated. If Iron Man thinks he can fight this with iconic superheroes, it will result in heroes being feared and hated as much as mutants. Dr. Strange refuses on the grounds that too many heroes are anti-establishment and that the group Iron Man has assembled to form a governing body would not be anti-establishment, but rather a form of counter-establishment. Reed Richards refuses on the grounds that such an organization would be too large to run effectively, that the heroes would spend more time dealing with bureaucracy than actually helping people. The group does, however, agree to meet to exchange information regularly the only individual present who outright refuses to meet or even participate with the others is black Panther who fears the association will end less in altruistic actions, but they actually do end up forming and they, they do end up having major repercussions out of that formation. One of them, which I think might be coming to the MCU, which is, Uh, Let me see if it's here. Uh, Yeah, the colliding universes. I think this might be the story that is also being set up in our MCU that we know and love, you know, the the movie version. Uh, I'll read a little bit of this. When Black Panther discovered a threat to the entire Marvel Universe, he saw no option but to call together the Illuminati again, including former member Black Bolt and later mutant scientist Beast to deal with the threat. Professor X is not part of the call because he was killed at the end of the war between the Avengers and the X-Men. This new convocation of Illuminati is now composed of, of the team of new Avengers. Before the meeting with Illuminati, Black Panther privately confronts Namor, who had previously killed hundreds of Wakandans in a locked and guarded room. Their conversation is brief but tense with Namor still King of Atlantis, unbowed before Black Panther's tightly controlled rage. Black Panther informs Namor that as soon as the current crisis is settled, Black Panther will kill him. When Captain America attempts to use the Infinity Gauntlet to push the colliding planet back for some time, he makes a valiant effort, but the gems are destroyed, with the exception of the Time Gem, which vanishes to parts unknown. Afterwards, Captain America argues that the Illuminati are wrong to consider building a world-destroying weapon to help save Earth, and that doing so will corrupt them. Iron Man has already anticipated that Captain America will respond in that way, and therefore Doctor Strange has prepared a spell that, you, that he uses to wipe Captain America's mind of the Illuminati meeting. During the original S- Sin storyline, following the murder of Uta, the Watcher, Captain America is exposure to Uta's eye during the confrontation with the Orb, restores his memory. After Captain America and the Avengers are transported into the future realities with the time gem, Captain America announces that the Illuminati are to be arrested. So, and that last part, I don't think is going to play out in this cap. You know, the cap that we know of now is going to be sidelined for many years before we see a new cap pop up eventually. And I don't mean Falcon. I mean, like a new Steve Rogers or somebody else playing Steve Rogers. In the meantime, though, it does feel to me as a comic book reader that this is potentially what is being set up in the MCU. And they're kind of being very quiet about it. If you remember back to when the MCU was first started and you, you know you had the first 3 Iron Man movies and then you had like the, the basically the solo outings for everybody so Captain America, Thor, you know, Iron Man, it was a, a nice slow burn before you got to Thanos. But there were little hints here and there when they started when you know when when marvel the mcu started seeding the idea of the infinity stones and started showing you various infinity stones and most people who are movie moviegoers didn't know what the infinity stones were so they didn't know exactly what they were looking at those of us who are major geeks did know what we were looking at and you know as soon as thanos was confirmed and, and they showed him, you knew you were on the road to the Infinity War with, you know, the gauntlet and everything else. What we didn't know is how it was going to play out in this version of, of Marvel because you've got the comic book version, then you've got this version. So it was incredibly satisfying and fascinating to see the way the story took. Now we're at this point where the multiverse has been shown to us, and pushed in a variety of ways. So if you think back, the first time we we start really hearing about the multiverse is in the Loki TV show. If I could be wrong about that, it could be that the multiverse was sooner than that, but to my mind, the, the way that I thread it right now is we get the idea of the multiverse then. Then we get, you know, a further push of the multiverse in Spider-Man, Uh, No Way Home, and now we have the multiverse in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It's even possible to say that the multiverse was really even shown further back in the first Doctor Strange movie, so that might be the seed, I don't know, or it might be even it might be even sooner than that but i'm i'm thinking that might be the earliest if anybody's going to point and say this is when they started seeding the idea but now that the idea is out there and they're putting this multiverse problem that is that that will eventually become a problem for for the marvel universe and will actually end up being an elegant way for the MCU to get reset the way that the comic books have gotten reset. I'm, I'm excited and fascinated to see if audiences who have never read the comic books will be willing to accept and take the ride that they're going to be taken on. And the idea of the entire Marvel, Marvel universe as we know it. And as we've known it and, you know, being reset in a way where there's going to be allowances for things that up to this point have been difficult to bring in such as mutants or the idea of a new Tony Stark, a new Steve Rogers, you know, the Tony Stark dead for sure. Steve Rogers, pretty sure he's dead. He's not on the moon. You know, <laughs> even though a lot of people kept th- threading that idea in the, in the TV shows, which was a funny idea. But, and then we have the, the cartoon uh the the disney plus cartoon what if which is not a sidebar it's actually legitimate canon within the mcu so and again that's more multiverse being shown there as well which i almost forgot but i'm glad i i'm, I'm glad that popped into my head and i remembered so we're being seated you know the ground is being seated with the idea of a multiverse where is the MCU going to take us with the multiverse? How is it going to open things up? What changes are going to come? And who who's the next bad? Who's the next big bad? Our last big bad for the last, you know, for 10 years was Thanos. Who is the next big giant bad that is going to have universe changing ramifications for the MCU? Is it going to be Galactus? Is it going to be someone that we haven't thought of yet? I don't know. I also know that, uh, the third Ant-Man and the Wasp will also be dealing with a multiverse aspect to it because Kang the Conqueror, which we saw in Loki, who was pulling the strings, who was, according to him, holding back the tide of, of, you know, the tsunami that that was going to be the multiverse breaking apart and all these different realities crashing into one. Cannot wait. I'm super excited. Is it going to be the Beyonder, another character, you know, that is super high-level threat, powerful? I, I don't know. I If it ends up being Kang, that's cool. We've already met him. He doesn't have the same gravitas that... Thanos does, you know, more likely it's probably now that I'm thinking about it, more likely it is probably the Celestials are going to be the next. So, so maybe speculation time here, maybe where Marvel is driving us to is the cataclysm is the multiverse breaking open. The big bad or big bads, the, the things that everybody has to worry about is the Celestials. And, you know, Peter Quill's Star-Lord's dad was a Celestial. The giant planet Ego. Galactus is another Celestial. So Celestials come in different forms, different sizes, different, and they have different functions in the universe as well. So is it going to be it, it, you know, is it going to be those guys? Is it going to be the Celestials that, you know, in particular, let me see here if I can look it up, because I can't ever remember the name of Celestial. There we go. So the Celestials are Hargan, Tefral, Nazar, Gamanin Ar- Arishim, Gemma, Esan, Onig and Zarin and I probably said all those completely wrong. But one of them is known as the judge. In fact, that celestial showed up at the end of the Eternals and grabbed the Eternals that were still on Earth in the you know the movie MCU version and told them we're going to see if the decision that you made, which in the movie, you know, spoiler, the eternals that are on earth prevent a new celestial from being born from inside of the earth. You know, as it's making its way out, they manage to petrify it, freeze it. I'm not really sure which, but they managed to prevent it from actually being birthed. So there's a, big chunk of it that like part of its head is sticking out of the ground part one arm is sticking out of the ground if it had managed to successfully come out of the earth it would have destroyed the planet which which is the intent when they see the celestial inside of a planet so anyway the the judge the celestial known as the judge shows up picks up the eternals that are left on earth And says, hey, we're going to now see if you made the right decision or the wrong decision. So there is some judgment that is coming to the MCU. So maybe that is the Multiverse of Madness along with the Celestials are the big bad that we're being prepped for. And that is the ride that we're taking for the next 10 years. With the culmination at the end, you know, new heroes that we're going to meet gathering together. Some sacrifice themselves, some to find a, you know, a a fun, interesting way to defeat this galactic, galactic level threat. And then maybe at the end of that, everything gets reset because really, where do you go from there? As far as movies go, I mean, you can always go back and tell all of the, all the individual stories of all these characters. Those are fun enough. And there's so much, so much story and so much history to go where you can do street level things or at least quieter level things where they're not, you know, earth or universe shattering. But once you do have a universe shattering event like that, and let's say it is another 10 years and that's what the MCU is planning. And let's say we're in the middle of year three for that. So we've got seven, you know, we've got seven more years before the culmination of that. If they do reset, the Marvel Universe, the MCU, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If they do reset it, I I think that would be great. Then they can go back, they can have their cake and eat it too. They can bring back Steve Rogers, they can bring back Tony Stark, they can bring back Thanos, they can bring back a bunch of different characters and start the process all over again and then tell you a different version, outcome of that, you know, of those stories. So, you know, and Kevin Feige I trust. I think the guy is amazing. He uh, he does not miss. He, even with the Eternals, you know, being what they were and and not not being a box office hit. We watched the movie. You know, I, I gave my interpret you know, my my feelings on that uh, on the movie. I really think that there was a lot of heavy-handedness from Disney and not necessarily from Marvel. Marvel I believe that Marvel is left to its own devices, it it always goes for story, and it's not going for agenda. At, I think within the story, you can have things that touch on societal um, realities, but in general, I don't feel like that's Kevin Feige's aim, or even most of the team's aim. They're not looking to to push these things down anybody's throat. They're looking to tell a good story, and. I really believe with them story is king. I don't know that I necessarily, I I don't really believe that with Disney. I mean, I could go off on Encanto. I did not like that movie at all. I I know that my kids love it. I know that a lot of people love it, but Encanto to me, and I know I'm like pivoting all of a sudden, like we're talking about the MCU and now he's going to Encanto, but Encanto to me does not feel classic and it doesn't feel like it's going to stand the test of time it feels like cotton candy that I mean, there's no villain there's no you know the the drama of the movie and the conclu- you know conclusion of the wrap up of the movie just did not seem in any way relevant like everybody could have lost their powers everybody could have kept their powers the house could have been destroyed the house could stay where it is like it wouldn't really change anything uh, let's say all the people in encanto uh, you know, uh, the the entire family, uh, everybody lost their powers. So so then they're just, they become humans and then they're able to get jobs and farm and, you know, continue become lawyers and doctors and, and continue their life, you know, minus magic. But there's no, it's not like they lose their powers and all of a sudden they wither and die and they're like, yeah, you know, screaming and then just like crunch in on themselves like that. At, at least if there had been something In the story like that, like, hey, if the family and, and, and by extension, you know, the, the town that has been built up around this family, if these people lose their powers, we're screwed. Like everybody instantly drops dead or the weird uncle that is living in, in between the walls of the house. If that dude gets out, the world is finished or, you know, any other number, like, they didn't even have to make the dude the villain. I didn't like that the movie didn't have a villain. Like, that really bothers me. When, when there's conflict that is not really conflict, I'm like, eh. And, and I get it. I understand they're like, hey, you can have conflict with your family, and there doesn't have to be a bad guy. But also, let's be real here. Sometimes family stabs family. And I'm not talking about figuratively. I'm talking about really. Sometimes family literally stabs family and or shoots them or something. So sometimes you do have just a villain. And villains make stories better. You know, like when there's conflict, if it's a misunderstanding, the entire show is, like, about a giant misunderstanding. I mean, do I need to watch that? along with things that I already don't like, like musicals. So uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. I, I need, I need real high stakes conflict. And then if you're going to sing it at me, that's already rough. That's already rough for me. I'm not a, I'm not a musical guy. Love, you know, I'm not a musical lover. I I love music, but musicals are not my thing. So, yeah, there was just there was no stakes. There was no high stakes for the for the movie. And and uh, so it's like cotton candy. It's like, oh okay, great. This was fun, like fun music and you know, kids can learn it real easy and great, da da da. But no stakes and two years from now, is anybody gonna go towards Encanto? Is anybody gonna gravitate towards it? I don't I don't think so. I just don't. You know, I I'm still chafed about the fact that Zootopia Made a billion dollars, like go look it up. I, you know what? I'm gonna look it up right now. In fact, Zootopia, Topia, uh, World, total. Let's see here. Let me make sure that I know what I'm talking about. Let's see box office, Zootopia, in the U.S. and Canada made wait wait hold on okay so it made 682 682 million dollars domestically and worldwide it made 1.2.4 billion dollars against a budget of 150 million dollars so Zootopia I mean just off the charts a winner for Disney gigantic for Disney and disney was not really that invested in in doing any extra like they, like toys and books and t-shirts and, you know they they did it they rolled it out eventually but as an afterthought and after the fact fantastic movie by the way with plenty of great conflict great story great uh lesson i guess you would say you know like this this underdog this this tiny bunny who's trying to become something that everybody's saying that you know what that's not for you you're not strong enough you're not big enough you're not smart enough you're not you're not enough you you can't be a cop and she's like no i'm gonna be a cop teams up with a uh a a fox, you know, that, and, and I love the way that they play up to the characters, to the, the as the animal aspects of the character. So, you, so, you know, the, the fox is, is shady and he's slick and, you know, fast talking and, and he, he works all the angles. Love it. The movie's fantastic. You find out that the sheep, spoilers, <laughs> that the sheep is the bad guy and it's, and you even understand what her motivations are. She's like, I'm tired of being, I'm tired of being, uh, scared. I live around predators and predators seem to have a lot of power in society, even though they're not eating us anymore. They, at this point, they figured out a way Not to, you know, to live peacefully amongst one another and the predators don't eat the prey and the prey don't have to worry about that. They still get bullied. You see that, you see that, see that in the movie, but her motivations, although wrong and, and, and you can, you know, like she's judging these predators, not for what they do anymore, but for the fact that they're predators, the message that there's multi-layered messages in this, in this movie. Messages are great in this movie, and the way that the story is told is fantastic and the artwork is fantastic and you know the the one of the main designers for this movie is this artist named Cory loftus who's amazing amazing uh, c o r y l o f t i s Cory loftus let me make sure that i actually spelled that right because props to him and jin kim oh there he is designer. Corey Loftus, yeah, Loftis, yeah, L O F L O F T I S, and Jin Kim, both of those guys do design work for for the Disney animated movies. And, ooh, I mean, just it, if any of those designs from Big Hero 6 to Zootopia to, what else? Um, Moana, you know, like, uh, if any of those things uh, appeal to you, it it's coming from these two people and I mean several people, but but in my mind, like two two of the most talented, wonderful artists that Disney has on their roster. Uh they do such beautiful work. I mean, just if you ever look at the art of books that that get put out for the Disney movies, I mean droolable, completely droolable, beautiful work. So anyway, Zootopia, great movie, great message made a ton of money and Disney was like, eh, <laughs> just like afterthought it rolling out of merchandise and Canto, uh, not messages, whatever, you know, The uh, that's another thing too that I loved about Zootopia. It's not a musical. <laughs> There's no, no singing. And I really appreciate that. Um, it's just not, I don't think it's just going to have any, you know, any, any longevity it's not going to stand the test of time in my opinion so that is my rant and i have taken you i i didn't even talk about i think uh superman or or boba fett which i will definitely get back to those i I might even do an extra pod uh this week i don't i don't know yet but i'll leave you with with what i did talk about the trailers and my love and, and and dislike on some animation and I I cannot recommend my recommendations. Yeah, here we go. I'll leave you with this. I recommend looking up Corey Loftus, looking up his art, beautiful stuff, drool worthy. I recommend looking up Jin Kim. If you're going to look up Jin Kim, you you have to be careful because there's a few different Jin Kims out there. So it's got to be like, you got to type in Jin Kim art Disney. Then you'll see his stuff. And man his designs for the characters from frozen to like i said moana to zootopia to big hero 6 like it's just dynamic beautiful work i i cannot i cannot stress that enough it's gorgeous i highly recommend planet hulk if you if you get your hands on it it's it's i know that it's uh, been bundled up into a graphic novel definitely worth reading i think the way that the mcu picks cherry picks out a lot of uh, elements from different stories from the marvel universe from the comic book marvel universe is i the best way to do it like the such a great resource and i'm glad they lean into that i think it's fantastic and whenever they do it you can really see that shine on the screen big props to all the creators uh that help to make that happen all the comic book artists writers inkers Colors. everybody that is it imagined it on the page first and then that was able to be translate over translated over into the big screen i you know this comic books are my first love i highly uh so i, I highly recommend always going to the source material first that way you understand better what's going on i hope that one day they get into spider-man uh, there's a storyline called the other it would be a vent adaptation um, into the movies, so I'm hoping they lean into that one day. Let me see, is there a recommendation that I can leave you with food-wise? Nah, nothing that I can think of right now. Actually, you know, there's so many little mom-and-pop places that I've gone to that are, uh, you know, <laughs> actually, <laughs> on oh what is it on uh on ball i believe on ball and not i believe on the corner of ball and not there is a hole in the wall burger joint called jim's super burgers if you're listening to this and you're living you live in the area i highly recommend those guys the food is is incredibly good and the prices are super reasonable and they're really quick and i i I like them i mean i i don't eat much that kind of food anymore like burgers and you know i they're still part of my life but because i'm on this journey of 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 weight loss and working out and being healthy i'm i'm much more careful about what i eat in general but that place love the burgers uh Mm. I've taken my family there before. I took my daughter there before my daughter, Sarah, if, if it passes her test, then, you know, it's good. And yeah, she thought the place was great. So, and my littles too, which they were so funny when I took them there, it was, it was my daughter, my, my second oldest and, and my two littles. And they're like, no, we don't want to go there. Cause to them, it's like McDonald's is King or you know, Chick-fil-A is king or anything that like is, is like anything that they know, Wendy's, you know, anything that they're familiar with, they're like, yes, let's go there. I know I can find something to eat there. So I'm like, no, I'm going to take you to this burger joint. And I had them prep the burger the way that my girls like it, which is super plain. It's just cheese, ketchup, <laughs> the bun and the meat. And that's it. They're, that's how they roll. Fine. Whatever. They both could not have finished them faster. They loved the burgers. They thought they were delicious. The fries are fantastic. So, you know. Anyway, that's my recommendation. On the corner of Knot and Ball, there's a place called Jim's Super Burgers over in Orange County, and uh, yeah, in Orange County. And uh, yeah, if you like, if you like good food and you like good prices, you know, reasonable prices, then uh, I highly recommend that. So with that, I will leave you this week. Maybe I'll pop in and, and do a review of the other two things. I'm not sure yet. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, it might just be that you hear it next week, but I leave you as I, uh, always do uh, our tradition, uh, Kenji and I's tradition that I'm just going to keep going, drink your, vi- or <laughs> eat your vitamins and <laughs> drink your water, eat your vegetables, everybody stay safe and stay healthy. My friends. Bye.